Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, how are you doing? I want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. And I want to bring on today's guest, Mark Mawinney, who's a super coach, and he has so much information. But not only that, you know, in the six degrees of Kevin Bacon life, you know, there's so many people that Mark and I have mutual friends. So I'd love to really hear Mark's take on things because it's always an interesting take when you listen to Mark. So, Mark, how are you doing today? I am doing good, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. So for those people who don't know Mark, Mark is a is one of those super coaches, but he also has a ho- he also hosts a podcast, Natural Born Coaches, as well as if you're on Facebook, he's king of the jungle and the coaching jungle. We all fight through the jungle and he's definitely the king of the coaching jungle. And one of the great things about the coaching jungle is they have theme days where people can step up their game and there's tasks, but we all are part of that jungle. You know, while Mark might be running the jungle, there is opportunities for each one of us to be included in it and give our point of view, not necessarily as a pitch, but have lots of different help. So, Mark, how did you create all this, your world? What, what brought you here? Uh, <clears throat> well, my parents got together. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We won't go that in depth, right? Uh, I, basically, I've been in the coaching world since 2014. Uh, my background's in real estate. I did that for about a decade here in Canada. Uh, but I've been coaching since 2014 and uh, the Coaching Jungle Facebook group. Well, I guess the big thing that really uh, got my name out there was the podcast, which I know you're a big fan of where you've done a bunch of shows and um, you're a fan of podcasting as well. So uh, Natural Born Coaches launched November of 2014. The Coaching Jungle Facebook group was about a year after that in 2015. And here we are today, still going strong and having fun. Now, what, what, what made you come up with Natural Born Coaches? What does that mean for you? Yeah, so um, it's an interesting story. When I launched my podcast, it was uh, obviously a show for coaches. Uh, so I wanted to have my keyword in there somewhere like coach, coaching, uh, some of the coaches, some, one of those keywords, right? Uh, so I was stumped. Um, I went through and I jotted down just a bunch of names. Nothing was grabbing me or it was taken. I was like, oh, man, I was getting really frustrated. Uh, so what I decided to do was I got the top 100 movies list and music list, you know, Billboard has for music and so on. And uh, I said, I'm going to start, this was in 2014, I'm going to go backwards 20-some years, you know, through all these top 100 lists, inserting my keyword into each of those, um, well, first music titles and band names, and then it went to movies. So when I was going through the list for music, I was uh, inserting my keywords in there. Didn't have much to go on. I actually once owned the URL, New Coaches on the Block, because of that exercise, <laughs> which would have been a probably horrible name, I think, for a show. But anyways, um, didn't find anything for music, got to movies. And of course, I got down to 1994 or whatever, where I saw Oliver Stone's movie, Natural Born Killers. Uh, with Woody Harrelson and uh, Juliet Lewis, and I inserted that keyword in there, natural born coaches. I was like, wow, that has a good ring. 
And so then I ran over to GoDaddy to, for anyone who's uh, done this process knows that the <laughs> most uh, anxious 10 seconds of an entrepreneur's life is uh, punching in to see if the URL is available, right? So I punched in naturalborncoaches.com. Luckily, it was available. I grabbed it. And here we are almost 800 episodes later. So yeah, that's how I came up with Natural Born Coaches. Uh, but it, it fits well because I do think that coaches are in many ways natural born uh, leaders, natural born learners, natural born coaches, you know, they're drawn to it. So it fit that way as well. It wasn't just kind of a clever play on words for the movie title. Well, that was one of the questions I wanted to lead up and ask. So do you feel that coaches are leaders and it, that it is natural? It's not something that you could just learn. You can't just read it in a book. Mm. Yeah, well, coaches start off probably coaching themselves uh, because I'm sure you've seen this too from all the people you've talked with. Uh, coaches are addicted to personal development. You know, look at the amount of books they read, courses they take, uh, events and seminars they go to. I mean, we're personal development junkies. Uh, so even before we actually coach someone else, another client, we're coaching ourselves, you know, for years with it. And uh, that's why I you know, it might sound like it's hyperbole. I, I say coaches make the world go around. Um, entrepreneurs make the world go around too. But I think coaches are really important and uh, sometimes get crapped on too. You know, I've uh, boys, which uh, saw a sitcom, I think it was Friends or something where they're making fun of uh, someone who became a life coach, <laughs> you know, was in that case. And it was kind of like for laughs, like, oh, uh, that's not a real job. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an important thing and it can help a lot of people. There's definitely an evolution. If we're talking about the about jungles and things like that, there's definitely mm. that evolutionary process. How did your evolutionary process get you here? No, so um, I got started in real estate right after university. Actually, technically, before I graduated university, I started selling real estate. And uh, I built up my real estate business over about a decade. Uh, grew it from just myself, uh, one person on my team. And then after a number of years, I got up to a hundred employees, agents and employees, uh, working with my business. Everything was like hockey stick growth. And then everything collapsed, you know, went through this really messy public business closure, uh, went through not one, but two closures in 2009. Then a couple of years later, by then I said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of real estate, been there, did it, done it, got the t-shirt. I need to do something new. And I was helped back to my feet by several different coaches and mentors too, because I was in a dark place, you know, uh, when you go through a public business closure, well, for one, when you've never experienced any serious setbacks, it really hits your confidence, right? Where all of a sudden you, you think you could do no wrong. Everything you touch turns to gold and then bang, everything you're touching turns to something colored brown. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, um, had never worked with coaches before that. And I was helped, I say back to my feet by those coaches. And that's why when I was ready to start, but get back into business in 2014, it was a natural choice for me was to get into coaching. Cause I had a front row seat. I could see how it helped me. And I said, wow, this is something I would like to do as well. Yeah. That, that, that's sort of, uh, I think almost uh, most journeys, right. You know, once you see the success of what you've gone through, because it's not only about reading books. Most people go, oh, yeah, I read all those books. Well, that's good. But, you know, again, when we're talking about the, ju the, the jungle and the evolutionary process, you have to actually go in, right? Reading a book about walking into the forest or just nature is not the same as actually walking into nature. Or like riding a bike or if you read a, a book on how to ride a bike, you're still going to probably get pretty bruised up once you hop on a bike for the first time. Uh, that's how you right. learn. You, you take your bumps and bruises and eventually you, you're good to go. 
Yep, you're learning and just keep pedaling away, right? Keep moving forward. Now, I, I know you, you've used a lot of stories. You, you, you talk about getting stories and all how you will co- can apply stories all over. And you've been really successful with the Warren Sapp uh, shark story. Uh, would you share that with us? Yeah, so anyone um, who doesn't know, Warren Sapp was a NFL, uh, or he is an NFL Hall of Famer. He's retired now. And uh, I'm more of a baseball guy, so I always, I always want to say Warren Spawn, the old-time pitcher, <laughs> pitcher whenever I say it, but Warren Sapp. Uh, I read, came across a story back uh, 2016, I believe, uh, it was talking about Warren Sapp lobstering or lobster fishing in Florida. And he actually had uh, got a, a chunk bit out of him by a shark, which sounds crazy. Can you imagine you're in the water and it's like Jaws, a shark gets you which was kind of an interesting story. And I ended up turning that into a, a blog post and email and stuff, uh, equating it to having to be careful about the sharks in the coaching industry. Cause there are a lot of bad players and uh, snake oil salesmen, snake oil saleswomen who are just looking to, to make a quick buck and they just are selling crap. And I turned it into that, you know, watch out for the sharks, just like Warren Sapp. And uh, with that, that's actually, it's interesting because, uh, I've always been a big fan of, try, if I can, tie stories into my content because, you know, a lot of stuff in the personal development space, the coaching world is kind of dry. It's bland. It's boring. You know, it's very textbooky or if there's corporate speak or something like that. I prefer to work in stories, things from pop culture, movies, um, books that I read and so on uh, into my content. It makes it more interesting for me and hopefully it makes it more interesting for the people who are consuming it as well. So there's the Warren Sapp story. Be careful when you're lobstering in Florida. <laughs> yeah, it was like a four foot shark. And then he went back down the next day. Uh, he, to, he put a thing on Instagram. He was in good spirits. So he, he wasn't hurt seriously. Yeah, no, uh, he wasn't. He, he actually said, I put some black tape on it and <laughs> kept on going. And I think that's well, part true, of True story. I got stung by a jellyfish in my armpit here in Canada when I was younger. I was uh, learning to swim and doing the breaststroke and the uh, jellyfish stung me. So it's not quite as cool as his shark story, but there we go. Okay, well, when you're in the water, you need to be careful, right? You, you don't want to dive in if you don't know where the rocks are. So I'll tell you a quick story about myself. Uh, one time I had gone to Hawaii uh, right after a divorce, and I was like, I'm in Hawaii. I was here for a business call, a business conference, and I'm by myself. You see all these people walking, you know, hand in hand. It's great. It's it's uh, in Oahu. Long story. So at night, because I'm still on the time switch between New York and Hawaii, I, I was up walking, and I go, mm. you know, I can't be in Waikiki Beach and not go in the water. This is in the middle of the night, so I took off all my clothes. I went skinny dipping and went out there. And the next day, I'm at my conference, and I'm talking to a few friends, and they're like, you're lucky you didn't get bit. Nobody would have known, would have found you. I go, what are you talking about? Like joking. And yeah. there was um, shark sightings recently that whole week in Waikiki, you know, at the yeah. cove right, right by uh, Diamond Head. And I go, okay. Sometimes swimming with the sharks is not a bad thing. You need to take those, take those chances, but also make sure that it's the correct chances that you're taking. What's a great way that you would suggest about leveling up if we're talking about swimming with sharks or trying to be one of the sharks in your life? 
well, I'm really big on reading, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, that's my preferred method. I mean, I watch videos and things like that to learn, but uh, I'm just, I'm addicted to reading every day. If I don't, I can't recall the last day I went without reading. Uh, so and I don't mean screen time. I think a lot of times social media and stuff is poison or junk food for the brain. I mean, actual physical books uh, with it. So I had a podcast guest once who told me that his goal is to always stay ahead of his clients. And what he meant is um, studying, learning, growing, because they're hiring him, they're paying him a lot of money. And he wants to make sure that he's always improving. If you're stagnating, and you're not, like you mentioned, uh, leveling up, then you're really losing pace, and you're losing ground. So that's the way I view it. Um, I have a book here, uh, just by the computer on my desk about Abraham Lincoln's mentors, it's called Lincoln's mentors. And one thing I've really taken from that book, <laughs> it's very meta here, uh, Abraham Lincoln was always reading, he always had a book under his arm mm -hmm. when he was a kid and when he's growing up. And a lot of people uh, wrongly thought he was lazy, because they thought, Oh, that's, you know, Abe Lincoln doesn't want to do any physical labor, he wants to lay under a tree and read a book. But he did it with a very clear purpose of learning. And he had a, a goal, what he wanted to become, you know, he's knew that he wanted to become a lawyer and then politics, everything else. And that's why he read. I enjoy reading, but I'm usually not reading for enjoyment. I'm reading because it's helping me level up. And that's why I do that. Do you like e-reading, you know, the e-books, or do you like the physical books as you and I at least grew up on? Yeah, I'm I'm an old school guy, so I do have a Kindle. I've got a lot of books on the Kindle. Audible, I have I love Audible. I'm always listening to audio books, uh, so I'm huge on that. But nothing beats a physical book. That, and I'm the type I mark it up. I've got my pen, I got my highlighter. It's you know I'm not easy on my books that way. Um, I'm old school. I guess if people are listening, so they can't see it. This I have a print newsletter that I release for coaches, <laughs> and there's no digital copies for Secret Coach Club. It's all. Uh, hard copy that gets mailed out actually from a printer in your neck of the woods in New York uh, sends it out. And people say, well, Mark, can't you do PDFs? I'd really prefer PDF or whatever. I find when with a screen, whether it be PDFs, eBooks, stuff like that, people it doesn't seem to sink in as much for a lot of people or it gets uh, lost collecting virtual dust. I don't know about you, but when I buy a book on my Kindle, it tends, the chances of getting read are lower than if it's staring me in the face, like on my bookshelf, a physical book. And I just like being able to touch it in books and stuff like that. But I, I like hard copies. I like, I will read eBooks. Um, and then I love audio books because I feel like a multitask. And if I'm going to the grocery store, I'm driving, I'm, Hey, I'm growing at the same time. Yep. No, that that's excellent. I I like that the the hard copy book as well because I like that tactile. Uh, I'm a visual person, so you know. And, and really, I think we spend way too much time behind the the screen, yeah. uh, and to and to walk away. You know, our eyes are actually are treated differently when we read the book online versus when you're looking at it in the book, um, you know, with a hard yeah. copy book. I'm a big journaling fan, but you know, some people are into apps or typing it out. Mm -hmm. Me, I like having that physical pen to blank page and going from there as opposed to just opening up an app and punching it. I agree with you. We're on our screens too much as is. I'm trying to limit my screen time, not increase it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have every night I try to shut down at one point and at least a half hour, ideally an hour, an hour before I go to bed. And I, and I feel that there's definitely a difference with how I sleep when I do that. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I have to talk to my fiance about that because she's the type she's got her screen on. We're laying in bed. I'm trying to relax. And she's got that screen on. It's like shining right in and stuff. And I say, geez, I don't know how you do that. Like step away for an hour or so, even let your brain kind of slow down and get mm-hmm. ready for sleep. <laughs> Now, so how do you make the most of out of every opportunity? I know, you know, talking about being in a jungle is great because you have to, as an animal, again, in the evolutionary process, you need to make sure that you accept, you know, the, the rabbit doesn't necessarily say, oh, I'll come back later for it. It might store things, but it also has other areas. I mean, down here, we we have all the squirrels who, you know, for the whole winters, you know, store our nuts. Exactly. Um, It's funny, I jotted down a quote today. I don't know if I'll be able to find it right away or not, but it it ties in perfectly with what you're asking. Here it is right here. Steve Jobs uh, had talked about uh, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Um, And then he goes on for everything. Basically, everything falls away in the face of death, leaving only what's truly important. So I know it's cliche to say you're not going to live forever, time short, life short. But I think that is important uh, to do that. And I I have to catch myself sometimes like I uh, an opportunity staring me in the face. I don't recognize it. And I'm like, come on, Mark, I give myself a kick in the butt. And then I'm like, you know, just do this now, you know, just like you with the the swimming um, nude in Hawaii. I mean, you gotta, you can't feel bad about that. You know, if you're in Hawaii and you're holed up in a hotel room the whole time, you'd feel pretty bad. Uh, luckily you didn't get eaten by sharks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I keep saying it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recommend it, but, uh, I, I gotta say it, it wasn't a bad experience. It was, yeah. it was definitely a unique well, experience. You're listening to peace, love and bring it back with me, uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky. There's a great book um, I've read a couple times. It's about, it came out October of uh, 2020. Matthew McConaughey, the actor, wrote Green Lights. Yeah. And that's what that book really is about. It's embracing opportunities because that's what he considers a green light is when you're, uh, everything conspires for you. You take the opportunities and you succeed. And uh, I just thought I'd sneak that in there, that that's an excellent book around opportunity and seizing opportunities. That, that's really what makes life. Those opportunities that you are, you know, we all say, oh, it would, be, it would be great to have all those green lights for the rest of our life, but you never know when a green light is going to come up or an opportunity that will turn into a green light for something that you want that will level you up. Sometimes a red light's a good thing. It may not seem good at the moment. It could be a divorce, a bankruptcy, could be fired, whatever, and you think this is the worst thing in the world, but then that ends up eventually turning into a green light. It's not a bad thing uh, necessarily, so... Uh, yeah, excellent book. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. I just am a fan of good books, and I enjoyed that one. That's great, and and it really is another message that we all have is to find you know the silver lining. You know, again, it's very cliche and, and crap like that, but it really is looking at the opportunities because that's what I have always said, even in my own life. When things have gone bad, that's I, I use a phoenix metaphor in a lot of the stuff I do. So you, how you rise from the ashes. And you keep moving forward. That's really what it is, is looking at those opportunities, even the less good ones, to see where you can grow and how things could be done differently. You know, as things are done, each one of us lives through those experiences differently. And how we then move forward becomes our new, you know, best, best way to go. Yeah, because pretty much anything that happens to you, I love that, how you look at it through that prism with silver linings, because I'm the same way. 
Um, if things had worked out differently back um, a little over a decade ago in real estate, I wouldn't be talking with you right now. You know, I wouldn't be doing a coaching business, which I love. I wouldn't have met my fiance. Uh, just a lot of things in my life, uh, good things would not have happened if I'd still been in real estate, you know, with that. Uh, you look at some things that are absolutely horrible. I can't imagine it going through this, but uh, John Walsh, the host of America's Most Wanted, uh, his son was kidnapped, brutally murdered, you know, which is the worst nightmare for any parent. Uh, he ended up turning that into a crusade or a mission on behalf of his son. And look at how many thousands of lives John Walsh and that his shows have saved, you know, uh, people from very dangerous, evil people. Um, so not saying that it's a good thing that his son died. But if you look at it through that way, he's his son saved a lot of lives with what happened, you know, and it puts some meaning behind that. Uh, so, yeah, silver linings, almost anything out there, you could get diagnosed with a terminal illness and have six months to live. Well, those are probably going to be six months that you're not going to be holding back. You're going to be seizing opportunities uh, because, uh, you know, that you only have six months to live. Yeah, I mean, most of our stories, if you look at it, uh, and, and that's what I that's my mission. That's one of the things of, even for this podcast is to hear how people like yourself and, and, and me have lifted ourselves up. It's not only the, the the ones we hear about, the Oprahs who who you know came from poverty to become one of the biggest people in the world, uh, you know, in, in, in influence. The th- the thing is, is we all have that within ourselves, and if we can see all the opportunities that we've lifted ourselves up from our own ashes, and not compare ourselves, we should only be comparing ourselves to us. It's my journey. And not yours, you know, different timelines and things like that. People always go, well, he's working faster. She's, she's do, she did it before she was 12. It doesn't matter. It all matters really when you do it at the right time. I, I say that all the time, right? There's the, the old Buddha saying, you know, the, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. And it really is the most difficult thing because especially in a world like today where we want everything immediately. Learning patience and being comfortable in that patience, that's a really superpower. Yeah, well, social media is the worst for that, right? If there's no social media, we wouldn't be looking at uh, people, uh, I won't say bragging, sharing their success stories. But you know how it is. It's not always an accurate picture that's out there. And uh, there's that quote Steve Furtick, I believe, talked about uh, not comparing your uh, behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. Uh, well, social media is a 24-7 highlight reel. People make it look like they're up at the crack of dawn every day. They're out running 10 miles. Uh, they have the love of their life. Uh, life's perfect. They're, they're making millions of dollars a month, and, uh, you know, they never <laughs> have any stumbles. And we know that's not true. You know, it's a very filtered uh, look at it, too. And if uh, we mentioned Abraham Lincoln earlier in the interview. If you ever want to get some inspiration look at his life story the amount of business um, closures or failures that he went through uh, the death of a loved one you know his uh, Mm -hmm. soulmate you could say uh, just all these ups and downs lost political races he was rode off and then he ended up becoming you know arguably the uh, greatest american president of all time you know saved the union with the civil war nobody thought that would happen if you look at the (laughs) ups and downs of his life up before 1860s, uh, he wouldn't have been 
pegged for that. So I always think back to Lincoln too, because uh, now I'm at that age. I'm not as old as Lincoln was. I'm 43 <laughs> and I'm not a spring chicken either. So uh, just take a look at uh, any of those successful people probably have a lot of ups and downs in their background. It's not all sunshine and lollipops and roses. Yep. No, and that's what makes us. Those, you know, the, the days that, that break us really are those days that make us. And it, it's what you do with it when you're broken. You know, uh, you know, again, I've shared with my audience, you know, I had, I had made an attempt on myself, even though I knew some of the re- all the resources that I, I knew, I wasn't using them. That's where, you know, when we go back to that, well, I read a book. Well, that's really nice. If you're not applying the knowledge to what you, you just learned, it doesn't matter that you know it all, right? You could be a know-it-all. And for me, when, um, you know, you might remember the song Kid Ego, uh, there was a song in the 90s, Kid Ego. And for me, I was one of my nicknames. But until I made that attempt on my life, and after that, I've all focused it out of the, if it's working out of my ego, that's not going to lead me where I need to go. I need to work differently. And we need those focus points. We need to clean our filters, you know, our visual filters, uh, as well as our, you know, sometimes the way we say things, those type of filters as well. Now, we were talking before about uh, superpowers. What superpower might you have? Uh, well, mine's not a terribly sexy superpower <laughs> when I get asked this question, but I would say consistency. And that's an underrated one uh, mm-hmm. because it's not flashy. But uh, if I look at the, any success I've had can be uh, traced back to consistency. You know, with my podcast, I started in 2014. We're up 700 and some episodes, you know, just compound effect, you know, episode after episode. I've emailed my list now uh, every day since April 2016. So there's, I don't know what, 2,000 some days, you know, that are in there just showing up every day and making sure that I'm I'm mailing them. And after a while, people notice it, you know, people reach out to work with me or they reach out to joint venture with me or ask me on their show. Like, I didn't know you uh, personally up until what we first spoke maybe two months ago, roughly, uh, give or take. And it was just uh, a mutual friend connected us and I found out you're on my email list and all that stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, so consistency, just um, you don't want to go off the grid. Uh, so quick story that will never leave me. And I always remember this. Uh, there was a coach I was speaking with once who had a great year. You know, she uh, broke her record for revenue by far. She had an amazing calendar year. And uh, as she got to the end of the year, she decided she was going to treat herself by taking the first three months of the next year off. January, February, March, you know, so this was pre-COVID, by the way. Uh, She uh, rented an Airbnb somewhere warm, south, sunny, and uh, she went off the grid basically for just three months because she figured, well, it's such a great year. I can come back April 1st. Everything will be fine, you know, pick up where I left off. Uh, She basically confessed to me that uh, didn't completely have to start over, uh, but pretty much had to. She was shocked at how... um, she had to prime the pump again, which she never expected. Um, now there's, I'm not saying don't go on vacation, but there's certain things you could do to schedule stuff to make sure that you're staying top of mind, you know, in front of people on their radar, which she didn't do. That scares the crap out of me when she told me that story. If I need any more motivation to make sure I'm showing up every day, you know, there we go. It's right there. And I always remember that one. So again, not saying don't take any time off, but be smart about it when you do. Don't just drop off the face of the earth. Yeah, that's that, that's part of the really big piece is that consistency. I really like that consistency because it's consistency is people always then count on you, right? Because at that point, you know, I'm always going to get a gem. I'm always going to get something uh, useful or not. It doesn't mean that everything has to be useful. 
some days it's going to hit you, some days it's not. And I think that's really, really valuable information and, and valuable advice that you just gave us. Um, now, you talked about Earth, and I, I like to always uh, ask all of my guests, because I always talk about that there's an R in your heart. And for fact, in English, there is H-E-A-R-T. So there's always an R in your heart. What's an R word that you would be recommend? Uh, any word for R? Uh, yeah. Well, one word that I uh, really like happens to start with R is resonate. Uh, so uh, with my business, I'm not the type to chase people. I mean, I follow up and stuff like that. But if you have to chase someone down and hound them five times a day and uh, twist their arm, let's say in the coaching world, till they finally hire you as a coach, it's probably not going to be a great relationship, right? Because you basically force them uh, down. You're like uh, Jim Carrey in The Cable Guy, if you ever saw that movie. <laughs> yep. You know, it's a little too much. You're stalkerish. Um, I prefer to put out consistent quality content, whether it be podcasts, uh, emails, programs, stuff like that. And then the people who resonate with it, there's the R word, yep. they'll come to me. You know, I'm attracting them that way. It's a much better relationship, I think, because they're coming to me. It's not me hounding them and like a used car salesman trying to sell them and twist their arm and sell them. So resonate would be my R word of the day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, I like to play with the R words because when we reach together, uh, you know, again, as you were just mentioning about resonating, because if they if they resonate with you, with your message and the way that you do things, they're going to come to you and you don't have to you know, be chasing them down or hiding. Everybody wants to coach you. You know, oh, I can help you. If you're having a problem, I know the, the right answer. And some people you follow and believe and some people you don't, but you then start learning where to recalibrate and understand who really is there to support you and who's not there to support you and uh, you need to push away from as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just went through this two days ago. Someone reached out to me and I have my back up in private messages. You know, I don't want to be rude or cold, but I don't like being sold to with these, um, you know, scripted type things where you know where it's going. I said, I'll give this guy a chance. We'll talk. Sure enough, that's the direction that it went to. And I finally had, because he just, it was question after question. Yeah. And I finally just said, uh, look, man, I'm not looking to hire any more coaches. So, you know, I just want to save your time. Then he's keeping at me. He's like, well, do you know anyone who might be interested uh, in blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't even answer that one. I just let it go. Right. I felt like getting a shower afterwards because um, <laughs> it just, it was too much, you know, it was sleazy. And I thought, I felt like saying to him, which I probably should have is, uh, do, you, do you have to do this every day? Like, that's a very depressing way to grow your business. If your whole business model is sending out hundreds of direct messages and then trying to, you know, verbally trap people in uh, and stuff. So uh, but that being said, I would much rather someone reach out to me if they have an ask of me or they want something. I'd rather them hit me with it early than to play a game with, like, you know, trying to do small talk and all this verbal jujitsu and then, you know, get you into something. It's just like uh, I've had people before, like, hey, Mark, I'm uh, doing this summit, you know, from this date to this date, you interested in being on it. You know, that's great. I, I appreciate someone who's very upfront with that as opposed to someone who tries to trick you into uh, through a long conversation yeah no me, me too uh, that, that's why whenever you get sometimes when you get those new friend requests or these random requests you're like okay what's the real cut to the chase and that's exactly how i start off you know that's the well you're a new yorker right so you <laughs> you don't well, screw around it's, no, it, 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 it's also you know i'm tired of it you, you want to know something yeah. i don't walk over to, to anybody and go oh hey would you like to work with me i'm, I'm a coach I, I can change your life and this and that I can do all that stuff, but that's not where I'm at. Uh, 
you know, if I want to go into a position where I need to look for resources, then that's great. Then I'd be like, hey, I'm looking for some resources. Who can help me out with X or or Y? I don't want, you know, for the things I don't know, that, that doesn't mean I don't want to look at them. That's what I have my friends for. Now, that's one of the things in the jungle. Um, just keep using this metaphor. Is really, you know, there's three, there's three different types of people. I mean, there's a million types of people, but... There are people who are going to add to your life. There are people who are going to be on your level, but you still need to mentor. I mean, you, you still talk to, you still join like masterminds in, if they're the right mastermind for you. You know, there's opportunities to learn or there's opportunities to, to grow. How do you do that for yourself? Uh, well, going back to what we talked about earlier is uh, recognizing opportunities. Sometimes they're disguised too. <laughs> they may not look like an opportunity at first. Um, so when I mentioned that, uh, I have my backup about conversations, that's someone cold pitching me, you know, like you said, if they connect with you, then 1.4 seconds later, they're sending the message. Um, I much prefer how you and I connected. We had a conversation, uh, wasn't sales type thing or whatever. It was a getting to know you type thing. Let's see if there's opportunities. You end up inviting me onto the show and that's great. I appreciate it, uh, with it. So, um, I keep my radar up and it's gotten much better. Uh, I say I have spidey senses uh, for picking out who's genuine and sincere and then who's just looking to make a quick buck and who's in it for the wrong reasons. And I don't know, it's not terribly scientific to say spidey senses or gut instinct, but I can usually pick out pretty quick someone who I want to be connected with versus someone that I don't want to be connected with. Because there's some amazing people I've met uh, in the coaching world and stuff, tons of podcast guests who've been on my show and people I've met through my Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle. Uh, but then there's a lot of um, just get rich quick types, you know, that are snake oil salesmen and saleswomen. Mm -hmm. And those I try to put up defenses or barriers to protect myself from. Yeah, you start learning. And a lot of that's through experience. It's uh, that fight or flight response that we, we always yeah. learn in every, every scenario of our lives. Well, one hack for people on that topic, uh, if you ever hear this phrase coming out of someone's mouth, you should probably run, not walk. Um, I had someone reach out to me and, uh, well, I've had it, this happen a few times, but someone in particular had a mutual friend uh, reached out because they wanted to talk to me about this amazing opportunity, <clears throat> uh, but he was in Australia. So our time, I think we're 15 hour time difference, me being in Canada. And he wanted me to get up at like 3 a.m. my time. And he said, well, I'm worth it, Mark. You know, basically your calendars don't work. Uh, times don't work for me, uh, but you should be willing to get up at a god awful hour because um, <laughs> it's worth it. And then he said, don't you know who I am? Uh, anytime someone says, don't you know who I am? And then right there, that's probably a red flag. And I basically said, yeah, I'm not going to take this call, you know, good luck or whatever. And I talked to our mutual friend. I said, Hey, FYI, uh, you know, buddy's kind of a jerk and he's using your name <laughs> to get his foot in the door or whatever. Uh, but anyone who has to say that, that's probably telling you something. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, again, it's, it feeds that ego, right? If they need to feed their ego to, stuff like that, you know, you make it, you know, again, working internationally, you do make a time and it can't only be one-sided. And that's the one thing about coaching, right? If it's one-sided, then it's, it, it's usually, usually not a successful uh, coaching experience. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's got to learn. So, the, you know, again, when we talk about those three types of people, even people who might not know as much about any topic you still can learn from. You can learn different perspectives, how they see things 
because then that helps you adjust to other people who might be in that same situation to help them and, and helps you grow that way different differently as well. I know uh, we're getting close to, you know, half hour. I usually try to keep everybody a half hour. Is there any sort of, you've given us a lot of gems. You've given us a lot of ideas in terms of growth, but also why we would want to get into you know, coaching and understanding what coaching really is talking about. Is there one final gem that you'd like to leave, leave with us or a seed that you might want to plant? One thing that uh, I think, not just coaches, good for any entrepreneur is uh, we've talked about in this uh, episode that you have to be willing to keep moving on, you know, from setbacks, from defeats, from those red lights. And uh, there's an acronym Robin Sharma used in one of his books and it's KMF. Keep moving forward is what Mm -hmm. it stands for. And that's one that I often think of, you know, anytime I'm feeling down, defeated, blocked or whatever, now just KMF, keep moving forward. So not saying I'm going to get tattooed on my body. That's a big <laughs> commitment, <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a possibility, you know, put KMF somewhere on there. Um, now the other acronym that I often bring up is from Elvis. I'm the fan of the King, even though uh, I was born in 78. So I missed his heyday. Uh, he was gone, but uh, is uh, he, he had a TCB, yep. him and his Memphis mafia, you know, taking care of business, the lightning bolt uh, yep. that he had the necklaces and the chains and all that stuff. So that's another important acronym for people in business, taking, taking care of business. Cause a lot of people don't take care of business. They don't show up when they're supposed to show up. They don't get the information over that when they say they're going to get it over. They're just a lot of flaky people online. I can't get over it. And uh, they, I would say, you know, it's that 80, 20 rule, you know, 20% of the coaches and entrepreneurs who are making the money, they're the professional ones who treat it seriously. They're taking care of business. The other 80% just treat it like a hobby or they're just playing at it. Yep. You got to go all out, you know, and, and do it. Mm. But uh, thanks so much. I, and T, the, the TCB, I, I, I've been lucky enough to go to Graceland and see his, his oh, plane. Wow. Yeah. His planes had the TCB with the lightning bolt yep. as well as everything else. Um, that was definitely one of the things that I've always remembered the taking care of business. Because uh, yeah. that's what you have that to do is show up. You, once you show up, you're able to then make things happen and be present. That's the most important part. Agreed. Okay. Thanks, Mark. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. And we always wish you peace and love. And if you need to bring a bat, again, nonviolently, but also know your non-negotiables and swing for the fences. Thanks. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Back. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. 
I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste.